Good morning. All right. So this morning, our service, the sermon, is going to be a little bit shorter than normal, uh, so we can take more advantage of the food and this time together. But before we, we get to that, I do want us to kind of investigate this question together. And, and honestly, the, the question itself may seem a little corny in relation to the fact that we are about to eat. But if we do this earnestly, it should leave us inspired and challenged uh, for what comes next in our lives. So here's the question. Why is food so deeply interwoven in the Bible? Why is food so deeply interwoven in the Bible? Just think for a second. What is, what's one of your favorite stories in the Bible that relates to food in some way? Go ahead, raise your hand. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Perfect example. He sees their very real, realistic needs, and he meets them. What else? Right? What is it? Oh, my goodness. Here is this thing coming down from heaven, making sure the people knew that he was going to prepare for them and provide for them. After Jesus came back to them, he went back to his house they had breakfast. And that's actually the story that we're going to look at this morning. It's perfect. I love it. Ricardo got it. You had one too, Josh? Right? Yeah. They're, they're together. They are feasting. And this idea of feasting, it goes all throughout the Old Testament. The, the clearest picture that we have of heaven involves a banquet on a mountainside. That is, that is the, the most actual practical picture of heaven that's given to us in the Bible. One more over here. Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And that, oh, well, go ahead, you too. Right? Yeah, this, this idea that, hey, let's compare your realistic needs against your spiritual ones, and you will find that God has provided more than you can ever understand. That's that's perfect. Well, so, amen. I Today, I want to look at a love story as presented through food, uh, using a couple of examples within the Bible, starting with the Last Supper. So let's, let's read John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father handed all things over to him and that he had come forth from God and he was going back to God, got up from supper and laid his outer garments aside. He took a towel and tied it around himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with a towel, which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you are washing my feet. Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not realize right now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Simon Peter quickly recanted, said to him, the Lord then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he has been bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. 
For he knew that one who was betraying him, it was for this reason that he said, not all of you are clean. Then when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're correct, for so I am. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you would also do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking about all of you. I know the ones whom I have chosen. But this is happening so that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. For now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he became troubled in spirit. And testify and said, truly, truly, I say to you that the one who will betray me. The disciples began looking around at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking. Lying back on Jesus's chest was one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter nodded to this disciple and said to him, tell us who it is, who he is speaking. He then simply leaned back to Jesus's chest and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, that man is the one for whom I shall dip this piece of bread and give it to him. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After this, Satan then entered him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what are you doing? What, what you are doing, do it quickly. Now, none of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were assuming since Jesus kept the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we need for a feast or else that it was to give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he left immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am still with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I said to the Jews, now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter said to him, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Have any of you ever moved from a place and, and had your last meal with your friends and family there? It's emotional. You, you feel so much more thinking through the time you've spent with them, the memories that you've made, the uncertainty of the future, all of these pieces kind of comes, comes crashing into that meal. And Jesus was spending his last meal with his disciples. And in the midst of that, he's dealing with the fact that not only is someone going to outright betray him of his small group here, all the rest of them including the most zealous and the ones who love him the most, 
will, will betray him as well by stepping back and denying to even know him. Imagine how painful this meal was for Jesus. And in the midst of it, all that he is talking about and presenting is this idea that he still loves them, that he wants them to love one another, that he wants them to, to show the world exactly what it means to be a Christian and be a disciple. And when we think through how Jesus even commands us to review and use communion, it is always based on this idea that we would remember. Jesus specifically anchors our concept of remembering him, remembering all that he's done through food, because it is a regular, normal human activity that each of us <laughs> needs to do constantly. Imagine the disciples knowing this later, looking back at this dinner, the last one they were going to get with their Lord. Every time that they ate, every time that they came and broke bread together, every time that they drank from the cup, drank wine, they would remember that this is the message that Jesus left them. So let's continue through the story a little bit. Let's, let's see what happens next for Peter. John 18, 15 through 25. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the priest, came back in, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus said. I always taught in synagogues or in temples where all the, where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Matthias, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Just as Jesus had promised. And, and here we have it, right? One of his most ardent supporters in the last couple of years, the one who had just said, I will lay my life down for you, denying he even knows him. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. Imagine the pain, Jesus being questioned, literally saying at that moment, why don't you ask those that I have taught if this is what I've said? And those that he have taught are saying, we don't know him. Can you imagine the pain that Jesus was in? Have you ever been betrayed by a close friend? Have you ever felt that? Can you imagine what Jesus is going through at this moment? The pain that he felt? The unwillingness any one of us would have to forgive in this circumstance? 
But obviously we know Jesus continues. The crucifixion is complete. And then later on, Jesus rises and he returns to his disciples. And now let's go and look at another, another meal, a breakfast. John 21.1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard it, he said, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So do you see what's happening here? The last interactions that Jesus had had were these people saying they would not deny him, they would not betray him, that they would literally lay down their lives for him. And then he went and suffered all that he did. And he came back and he, he saw a couple of the disciples, but this is the first time he's really kind of gathered up with, with his, his core crew again. And the first thing that he does is he sits down and he makes them a meal. Why? Jesus does this because he recognizes that these simple acts of love are more telling than saying, I forgive you is. When we're willing to actually put in service for others, actually care for them, and actually care for them when they have completely hurt us, it is far more impactful than just the words, hey, it's okay. Jesus looks at them with love. He sees them again, completely at a loss, not catching any fish, unsure what to do. We know from, from the last book of the Bible, like they're, they're not sure what's happening next. And so he does what is needed to first. He meets their physical needs so that then he can actually have a conversation of reconciliation with Peter. He takes care of them and he shows that he loves them before he tries to say it. Now listen to this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But then when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death for which Peter would, would go to glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And so this, this story, again, kind of happening over a couple of meals, is ended with Jesus offering the greatest gift of reconciliation he possibly could. If we look at this quickly, we might think like, oh, he's just, you know, trying to trying to make sure that, that Peter's actually in. And that's not the case at all. Jesus is letting him know that he still wants him to be part of his story. He's offering him full forgiveness by saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to take care of the disciples. Uh, I want you to meet their physical needs. I want you to meet their spiritual needs. Uh, the word feed here is not just limited to food, but it would include it. It wouldn't be somehow uh, absolved of it. And he says this all to let Peter know you are fully forgiven. You are, you are welcomed back on the team. You are, you are given this, this branch of forgiveness. And can you imagine Peter ever eating fish again? Can you imagine him for the rest of his life as he tries to go about what's happened and every time he hears a rooster crow and every time he sits down with others to have a Passover meal uh, and every time he goes out fishing, he is reminded of this constant perpetual truth that he betrayed Christ and Christ freely welcomed him back. And all of us in here have in some way in our lives betrayed Christ. And we have in some way forsaken the truth. And, and you know, we can get so locked up in kind of like, well, this was the issue and that was the thing. But no, we need to step forward and just present ourselves before Christ and others and seek forgiveness. And we as the church can freely offer that forgiveness to one another when we have strayed. And it is an incredible, incredible thing. And I love the fact that Jesus anchors this over food. And what's crazy is that we see the disciples carrying this on. You look at this, this grand picture in Acts 2 of what's happening in the church. How many times is eating together mentioned in that? Three times in that tiny little paragraph. The disciples were eating together and breaking bread and sharing what they had. And it's incredible because... Everyone in this gazebo, what is this, a, uh, auditorium room, um, everyone in here has all of these incredible stories of faith. And the rest of the group needs to hear them. And God has given us the best possible vehicle to do that, which is meals together. Literally, if you are at a loss where you go from here, from a ministry standpoint, you're like, I don't know, I haven't helped anyone know, know God recently. Just start inviting people into your home and share the stories of what God has done. And in the same way that God cared for the Israelite people, generation after generation, by having them remember specific stories at specific meals and specific feasts, we can continue to pass on all that's happened to us and all that God is still intending to do from us. So let's take communion now 
and let's take it. Um, please raise your hand if you need a communion cup and the ushers will be sure to get it for you. And let's take it specifically remembering, again, that although we have betrayed Christ, that we have forsaken him, he still is willing to meet our physical and spiritual needs. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for your love, a love that we cannot fully comprehend, a love that does not make any sense, a love filled with forgiveness that overwhelms us to our core, that makes us stand up and want to be transformed because it is so unbelievable. God, thank you so much for the love that you showed for Peter at the Last Supper. Thank you so much for the love that you showed him when you returned and re-invited him into what you were doing. God, thank you so much that you have us gather weekly to take the bread and the cup together to remember all that you have done, all that you are doing with us today, and all that you have promised us into the future. Thank you, God, that we were able to take this together and remember all that you suffered, that we would have a chance to know you and that we would have a chance to share your stories. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.